Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Glad to have you with us today, all of us in the room and those of you joining us online. My name is Rich Schmidt. I'm the pastor here at Living Hope, and we're glad to have you here today. We like to be in our services with this greeting Christians have been using for just about forever, I think. The Lord be with you. Okay, you said it, but you sure didn't sound very enthusiastic about it, I've got to say. That was like, we are tired. You know, can we try that again real quick? The Lord be with you. Thanks. Thanks. I'm glad that we uh, remind ourselves of that every Sunday morning, that God meets us here, that he's present with us, and that we want to be aware of his presence. Uh, So let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. God, we are grateful uh, for the opportunity to gather together, to meet with you, to worship you, to sing to you and pray to you, to listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures, to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. Uh, We're grateful for the opportunity, and uh, man, are we grateful that we don't have to put on an act or something uh, to do this. Um, You meet us right where we live, right in the middle of all the good and the bad and the ugly, and and God, we are grateful for that. So today, we we don't want to pretend with you, God. Uh, we want to be honest with you about what we're going through. We want to lift all of it up to you in prayer. Uh, we, want to, we want to give you our thanks and praise, and we want to give you our confusion, our questions, our guilt, our hurt, everything, uh, so that your grace can change us, so that your spirit can be at work in our lives, so that we can see you moving and, uh, and changing things in our lives and, and through us in the lives of others. Uh, thank you, God, for the chance to worship you. Help us to have our hearts and minds open to you. And open to each other. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing.
The sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine, will be forever mine. You
There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in of you. I'm in of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you, Jesus. There's a place where sin and shame are powerless Where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness Where all the love I've ever found Comes like a flood, comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in of you, I'm in of you. Where your Amen.
we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Because when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Pray with me, will you? Lord, I thank you for your cross. I thank you for the blood that you spilled for your body that was broken, Lord, on our behalf so that we could be in right relationship with you, so that we could spend eternity with you, so we could be redeemed from this life, from this world, from our sins, Lord. Thank you for the reminder this morning of your great sacrifice on our behalf. We can't do it ourselves. There's nothing we can do on our side of things to redeem our, our own selves, Lord, but at just the right time. Jesus came and lived and died on a cross only to be resurrected so that we can know you. Thank you, Jesus, for that fact, for that truth today. Thank you, Lord, for the, the trials. Lord, it's hard to say thank you for the yucky stuff that we go through, for the hard things that we endure, Lord. But thank you for them. Thank you in them. Because we know that they are building in us Christ-like character. They are exercising those muscles in us, those spiritual muscles that were going to help us to endure till the very end. It really is hard to say thank you for that, but Lord, we do truly say thank you this morning. Thank you for each and every person that's here, for every home represented, every life represented, every community represented, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to bring your word to each and every person. Thank you for inviting us here this morning into your presence. Be with Pastor Rich as he brings your word to us. We're excited to hear it, Lord. We're excited to, to know what it is you have to say to us this morning. Let us hear it with our hearts, not just with our ears. May we be open to hearing what you have to say, even if it's hard this morning, Lord, even if it hurts maybe a little, even if there's parts of us that need to be surrendered to you or need to be changed, Lord. Let us hear and, and then be obedient to you. For all these things, we truly again say thank you. We pray them according to your will and in your Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. While people are finding their seats, I'm going to say a quick word to those of you joining us online. We're glad that you're with us. Sorry you can't shake our hands and all that good stuff. Uh, but from wherever you are, uh, you could leave us a quick comment or something just to let us know you're here and say hi. And if there's some way that we could be praying for you, I mean, obviously you could throw that in a comment too. Or you could uh, you go to livinghope.info slash connect. 
There's a little digital connect card there you could fill out and uh, share with us how we can pray for you or any question you might have, that sort of thing. We would love to pray for you. Uh, if it's something you don't want to share like in, the, in the comments section on Facebook or, or YouTube. Um, but we're glad you're here. And uh, that same goes for all of you. Obviously, you can, you can do that same thing if you want. Uh, you can grab your phone and do that right now. Or uh, in the back, there's a little table with some little green cards on it, little connect cards. You can fill one of those out if you've got a question or a prayer request or anything like that. And uh, jot that on there. Drop it in that little box back there. And if you're giving today, you can drop that in the box too. Uh, or you can give online. Uh, that either way works. And uh, thank you again for all of you who, who give so generously to make sure that this church can keep doing what it's doing. Uh, trying to do our best to participate in the mission of Christ here in the world. Uh, thank you. It would not happen without all of us, all of us pitching in. Um, <clears throat> So uh, just by way of announcements, if you got one of these on the back, you'll see these, and we'll, we'll pop them up on the screen real quick. The Warming Center is, uh, is going through this Thursday. This Thursday night is the last night of it, because that's the last night of February. Uh, We've got like a one-night extension this year with the leap year. So February 29th is the last night we'll have folks sleeping on our floors. And uh, so please be praying for all those who have been uh, staying with us. I think we had 16 or 17 last night. And uh, some of them have plans for where they're going to go next. Some of them don't yet. And so please be praying that God will open doors and make the right connections uh, for them to be able to have a, a good, safe, warm place to sleep uh, on March 1st and, uh, and housing going forward. Um, and then uh, we've got uh, this afternoon, uh, I hope that you'll come back at 1 o'clock. There's a little Games and Giving Back event that's going on. And uh, so there are going to be all kinds of board games and things. There's going to be rooms for little kids all the way up to uh, games for grown-ups. And uh, in different uh, sections, I think there's going to be a bingo thing going on or something and, and some raffle prizes. And there's all kinds of prizes I've been seeing Sam Fisher post uh, online. Uh, so uh, it's $5 to get in. That's money that's going to Unity Cafe. And, uh, and if, if you don't have $5, just see me and I'll give you five bucks so you can get in. Uh, <clears throat> but that's a fundraiser for Unity Cafe uh, who does the free meals here on Friday nights for the community. And uh, so we'd love to have you come back this afternoon at one o'clock. Um, I guess you can come anytime during one to four, right? I mean, you don't have to be at one. If you're, if you're like home having lunch and you're like, oh no, it's 1.30, I missed it. No, just come on out anyway and, uh, and have fun. And then uh, right after this service, before the next service starts, we've got our annual meeting. Once a year, we've got to do this uh, where we have uh, people vote on who's going to be the church board for the next year. Uh, we talk about the, like, hey, here's the church budget. Here's what your, your money is uh, supporting your donations, what they're going toward, and, uh, and just other kind of little updates about where we are as a church, things that we're, that we're doing. So it's going to be a real brief. It's going to be like 15 minutes in between the services. So as soon as I get done talking and the service and this service ends, we'll have like five minutes, and then we'll have that, that meeting. So everyone's welcome to participate, um, and everyone can fill out one of the little ballots or whatever, but uh, we're only legally uh, allowed to count like the people who've actually gone through Living Hope 101 and committed to membership here. But, uh, but yeah, we like to hear from everyone who considers this church their home, uh, whether you've committed to membership or not. So yeah, so that'll happen right after this service. And every year on the last Sunday of February is when we make that happen. So, all right, so uh, this season, if you want to open that thing up, this season we're in Mark's gospel. You know, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible that all tell the story of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and uh, all that he did. Um, and we've got four versions of those. Mark's is the shortest, and so I would encourage you to read it uh, along with us if you'd like during this time. Uh, it won't take you very long. Um, and last week, we kind of looked at how he's, he's sharing the good news of Jesus, the Messiah. It's good news about Jesus, and it's good news uh, for all of us, uh, all of us morons, all of us knuckleheads, all of us people who don't get it all right all the time, right? Uh, the disciples in Mark's gospel are so clearly portrayed as people who do not always get it. 
In fact, I'm not sure they ever get it the entire way through the gospel. He kind of cuts his gospel off uh, abruptly, uh, like before they get it. Uh, now, clearly they do at some point because someone in the early church, someone is presenting this good news to people, right? Someone has written this down. There are people who are following the risen Christ. Uh, but in the story of Mark, uh, there's hope for people like us because there's hope for these disciples, these folks who don't get it. Um, these folks who are slow to realize who Jesus is and what he's about and what this means for their lives. If you've ever felt like, I'm not sure I can make sense of this whole thing, okay, you know, I can't make sense of it all either, right? I mean, I went to school, I went to graduate school, I spent years studying it and all the rest, and so, you know, it makes sense to an extent, but I got to admit with the Apostle Paul that, like, look, I, my knowledge is limited. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand everything. Can we trust Jesus can we follow him even when it doesn't all make sense? Even, perhaps especially, when he doesn't do the things that we expect him to do. When he doesn't answer our prayers the way we'd like him to answer them. Can we keep on trusting him? Now, we watched a video last week that mentioned that Mark's gospel is kind of cut in half. The first half is, uh, is kind of Jesus demonstrating that he is the Messiah. He's healing people. He's teaching. And people are marveling that he's got this authority. And then the second half, he's kind of demonstrating what kind of Messiah he's going to be as he heads toward Jerusalem and heads toward the cross, that he's not going to be the Messiah that comes charging in on the white stallion to overthrow the Romans, that he's going to be the kind of Messiah, the anointed king who instead serves and, in fact, gives his life for us all. And uh, Today, we're hanging out in the middle part of that book, chapters 8, 9, 10. Today, we're looking at Mark chapter 8. And uh, not the whole chapter, but most of it, as Mark kind of layers stories together, and uh, it's interesting how they, how they kind of fit. Uh, at the beginning, uh, we've got one of these miracles, We're not, we don't have time to look at it, where he's feeding 4,000 people with just a few, a handful of loaves. I think he's got seven loaves in this one, and, and feeds like 4,000 people. Uh, it's just a couple chapters earlier is where he does the, the, the feeding the 5,000 people with the little boy's lunch, five loaves, two fish, and multiplies, and 5,000 people get to, get to eat. And I keep saying, people, but I'm pretty sure they specify it's 5,000 men. They only counted the men, but there are women and children in the crowd too, so who knows how large the crowd was on both of those occasions. Jesus has done these miraculous things. And then so right after he's fed 4,000 people, just a, a few loaves and fish, and, and by the way, if you, if you haven't, uh, if you're like not familiar with that story and you're like, how does he do that? Uh, it's not that he's just like giving everybody a tiny little taste, okay? He's like, he breaks the bread and gives it to his disciples, and, and so like, I picture like, Peter's got his basket with some, you know, two or three pieces of bread in it because that's all he could, Jesus could give him. And then he gave two or three to that guy. And, and so as they walk around to the crowd, like, here, here's some bread, here's some bread. He keeps reaching to the basket and there's just continually bread. Like, there's more bread that doesn't run out. It's this, like, miraculous multiplication of resources. And the whole crowd is, is fed until they're full. And in fact, there are leftovers, more leftovers at the end than there were at the beginning. That's crazy. So the disciples have just seen this happen. And then this brief encounter with the Pharisees where they're demanding that he shows them a sign and Jesus says, I'm not showing you any sign. And then he leaves with the disciples. And that's where we pick it up here in verse, uh, I think it's 14. The disciples, it says, had forgotten to bring bread. They just had seven like baskets of leftover bread, but they forgot to bring any, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. He just had this moment with the Pharisees. And I kind of picture Jesus as still kind of like, Oh, those Pharisees always ask for it. Hey, guys, watch out for the Pharisees. Well, yeah, and, and Herod, you know, these guys, the, the yeast of them, he's talking about like their influence. And so he uses this, this picture of yeast as something that influences the whole loaf. And he gives that warning, and then it says, they discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. 
Jesus is talking about he knows we didn't bring bread. Now he's getting on us about not bringing bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? Ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets fulls of pieces did you pick up? Uh, Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? I feel like Jesus is saying, like, bread's not a problem. <laughs> you know? So you only brought one loaf, no big deal, right? We can just break that up and, you know, we can feed all of us with a loaf of bread. It's not going to be a problem. I'm not warning you. I'm not upset because you didn't bring bread. I'm, I'm telling you to watch out for these you know, the influence of these folks who are trying to take you off track. <clears throat> it's just a picture. It's like, I can't think of any reason for Mark to include this other than to point out that the disciples are slow to get it, right? The bread is not the problem. Um, <laughs> sorry, I have these random things that pop into my head when I'm up here preaching. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking about the, uh, the little joke about Jesus and his disciples walking into the bar and Jesus saying, 12 waters, please, and a wink at his disciples. <laughs> nobody gets that? No, nobody? He changed water into wine one time, and so he's like, okay, no, never mind. All right. It was funny in my head. It's funny when I read it. All right. It's not in my notes or anything. It's just something that popped into my head. All right. So right after this, on the heels of the disciples not getting it, we have this unusual miracle that only happens in Mark's gospel. Mark's the only one that describes this, this miracle. It says, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, yuck, and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything Clearly, Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. I mentioned last week, Mark's got this unusual thing where he's always telling people like, hey, don't, don't tell anybody. You know, he heals somebody and says, don't, no, don't tell anybody about it. You know, he has a moment here with his disciples where they understand who he is. And he's like, yeah, but don't, don't tell anybody. Uh, it's like he's trying to keep this a secret until the time is right or something. But the story is unusual because it's like, it took like two touches for some reason for this guy to see clearly. Why? No idea, but I'm pretty sure Mark included it because of the story he's about to tell right after it. It says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, mm, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. You know, people are saying, who's this Jesus? Well, it's like one of the prophets, come back. He's like, Elijah, he's come, he's come back, or John the Baptist. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you're the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Now, you might be more familiar with like the, the more embellished version of that story that Matthew tells. Uh, Mark, Mark like just kind of gives the bare bones to most of the stories. And Matthew and Luke both seem to have taken Mark's gospel and then said, oh, come on, Mark, you left out some, uh, my favorite part of the story. And they, and they, they embellish and they, put, they add more to the stories that Mark has, has trimmed off. 
And uh, so maybe, you know, when you hear Peter says, you're the Messiah, you're like, son of the living God. And Jesus replies, you know, hey, you didn't figure this out on your own. This was revealed to you by your, by our, by your father in heaven. And, uh, and I'm going to call you Peter on this rock. I'll build my church. That, that whole conversation happens at this point in Matthew's gospel. Uh, Mark just has Peter acknowledging, you're, you're the Messiah. You know, we know who you are. You're the anointed one of God. You're the one that we've been waiting for all this time. The one that the prophets talked about. You're the, you're the one that everyone's been, you know, we were hoping that guy was the Messiah, but nope, you know, Rome killed him. I guess not. And we were hoping that guy was the Messiah, and he, he got a little army together, and they, they tried to fight back, but ugh, nope, they were defeated, so I guess not. You're the Messiah. We believe that you are the Messiah. You know, you're doing all these miracles. You're teaching with this authority. Even the unclean spirits, the demons, they have to obey you. Wind and waves are, are doing what you say. You are the Messiah. So you think, okay, great. They figured it out finally. The very next verse says, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man, talking about himself, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. So he's not, he's not hinting around at this. He's just letting them know plainly. In fact, that's, he says he spoke plainly about this. He's just letting them know, look, guys, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected by our leaders. I'm going to be, I'm going to be killed. And in three days, I'll rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside. Peter, who just said, well, you're the Messiah. Peter was willing to speak up and acknowledge, we know who you are. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Whoo, you know, rebuke Jesus. I'm not sure I'd have the, let's say, guts to do that, uh, to rebuke Jesus. That is, but that's what Peter does. Like, he's like, wait a minute, Jesus, no, 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 no. That is not going to happen. We're not going to let that happen. You think we're just going to stand by while, while you get killed? No way. This, this can't, you're the Messiah. You can't suffer and die. He's rebuking Jesus. He said, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. He says, Peter, you don't get it. You're thinking about these things right here. You're not thinking about the bigger picture. You're not thinking about what God cares about here. You're just caring about whether Rome still is in charge right now. or you know, You're not thinking about, I'm going to conquer sin and death and the devil, and you need to get behind me, Satan. He's, he's rebuking him in like the strongest possible terms that I can think of, right? Calls Peter Satan. Now, I know that when you hear Satan, it conjures all kinds of different things, and we think, oh, there's the demons and the devils and all that stuff. Obviously, in this case, he's just saying, look, you are opposed to what God wants, right? You're standing in opposition to me. You're not, you're not playing on my team. You're playing on the other team, on the wrong team. You're shooting on the wrong basket here, Peter. So get behind me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I think this might be why he told the story about the blind man right before, who, you know, was partly healed, could kind of see, but not quite. Things are still fuzzy. I don't really, can't really, it's like, it looks like trees maybe moving around. And Jesus has to touch him again, and then he sees clearly. Then his sight is restored. Because Peter clearly gets it, right? He's like, you're the Messiah. I can see enough to know you're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the, God is with you. You're, we're following you. We're trusting you. But he doesn't see clearly. 
He doesn't, he doesn't have the whole picture yet. I think Mark is trying to help us to see that's, that's kind of where the disciples are at this point. They're kind of half seeing. They can see some, enough to trust and follow Jesus, but they don't have the whole picture yet. Um, this idea of uh, us understanding things, knowing things, perceiving things correctly is, uh, is fascinating to me. Because, you know, we all think that we're seeing things right, right? Um, you've heard before that, like, eyewitness testimony is notoriously unreliable, like in a court of law. Uh, should have asked you about this, Mitch, ahead of time. I, I didn't think to. Sorry. Um, actually, I have an attorney in the room. I could have, could have run this by him. But I think we've all heard that, like, right, like, eyewitness testimony is notoriously unreliable because you can have five people that all think they saw what they saw. And they can and not just think. They can know. I know I saw this. But then there's somebody else who's standing right next to him who's like, well, I know I saw this. And somebody else, I know I saw this. And they can have different eventually then you see it on video and you're like oh oh I guess that's not I guess I didn't hmm I guess I didn't didn't see what I thought I saw you know um yeah perception's a funny thing we if we're looking for something we'll usually find it right uh if you're if you're looking for someone to be a jerk there you're gonna find ways like oh yep see I see that the way they looked at me right then and it's like yeah they were they were about to sneeze that's all they just had a funny look on their face you know they weren't looking at you they were but if you are looking for it, you're going to find it. Um, there were some people, some, uh, you've probably seen this before. Uh, there were some psychology professors. Uh, go, ahead, go ahead and start that video. There were some psychology professors that did a study uh, years ago, back in the 90s, I think. Uh, Dan Simons from Chicago, Christopher Chabri from Harvard. Uh, they did this perception study. And uh, my apologies to those of you online. I can't show it to, to you, but you can look it up uh, online. I'll, I'll tell you how to find it later. Um, where they told people to count, they showed people passing basketball, count the people wearing white, how many passes. So you focus on the people wearing white, how many times did they pass the ball, and you try to, and it's tough because there's other people, you know, wearing other colors that are also dribbling basketballs, and, and it doesn't last very long, um, but you try to count how many times did they, did they pass the ball to each other. So I can see some of you in the room, you're very focused on the TVs, trying to count, trying to keep track, Players in white, how many times did they pass the ball? And uh, I don't remember, what did they say? Oh, 15, 15 times. I don't know if you got 15 or not. But in the middle of them passing the ball, somebody in a gorilla suit walks through and beats his chest and walks off. And about half, I don't know how many of you saw it. I'm guessing quite a few. But uh, about half the people, what they found, didn't see the gorilla at all. Somebody just walks right through. How many of you saw the gorilla? Just, Just a real quick show of hands. How many of you had no idea that didn't, you didn't see a gorilla at all? But you were, yeah. So some of us, you're, you're watching and you're focused on the people wearing white and you're trying to count the number of times and some dude in a gorilla suit walks by, beats his chest and walks back out and you're like, I had no idea, you know. Then you watch it again and you're like, how did I miss that? There are other versions of this you can find online if you look up like perception tests. I know, beats his chest right in the middle of the screen and, and we don't see him. Uh, so yeah, if you look up uh, The Invisible Gorilla online, they wrote a book called The Invisible Gorilla later that talked about this. And they, there are other videos, and you'll find all kinds of uh, fun stuff. There's one where they're doing the, the cups thing, where they've got you know, the thing under the cup, and they're moving it around, trying to figure out which, you know, which one's got the cup, and things change. And there's all kinds, there's all kinds of fun videos like that. Um, and the funny thing is, even if you're watching for it, like even if you know, like there's another version of this. I'm going to spoil it for you right now. Uh, there's another version of this where they're doing this like in front of a curtain, in front of a stage, and they're doing it. And if you've seen these before, you're like, oh, yep, there's the gorilla. There he goes. You know, I saw the gorilla this time. And then afterwards, they say, yeah, but did you notice that the curtain changed color? You're like, what? And they show you again, and the ch- curtain totally changes color behind them, and you just don't even see it, right? We, we so often can, we think we saw it clearly. 
But then it's like, wow, I, I missed something hugely important there, didn't I? I? I missed the gorilla walking through the middle of the group. Now this is Peter walking, talking with Jesus. He can see enough to trust and follow him. He can see enough to know, well, you're the Messiah. I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm, I'm following him. I'm giving my life to you. But, but he still doesn't understand what Jesus is all about. Doesn't, doesn't understand that Jesus is going to have to suffer and die. That Join us in our suffering to take our sin and, to, and by his death and resurrection defeat the powers of sin and death. Set all of us free. He just doesn't, doesn't see it. And that's true for so many of us. You know, we've got our idea of if I follow God, then things are going to go like this, right? If I, if I trust in God, then he's going to forgive my sins. Yes, good. I'm thankful for that. Don't have to carry that guilt and shame around anymore. That's awesome. Uh, and as long as I'm trusting him, you know, and maybe we put other things in there too. And as long as I'm showing up on Sundays, as long as I'm dropping offering in the basket, as long as I'm, you know, doing the things I'm supposed to be doing, then God's going to come through for me, right? And, and everything's going to go well. And, and you know, I'm going to ask for things and he's going to give them to me. And he's going to help me avoid that relational disaster. He's going to help me avoid that job loss. He's going to help me avoid that disease. But then we find these things hit us anyway. And we get frustrated. We get disappointed. We get angry. Jesus, what is this? This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I thought we were going to do. That's where Mark shows Jesus taking the disciples through that kind of a, guys, this is not going to go the way you thought it was going to. Following me is not a, a road to just power and fame and all these beautiful things. This, this is going to be tough because the, the path I'm on is a path that involves suffering, involves serving people, involves loving people that you don't want to love, involves serving people in ways that you would rather be served, but that's not what I came for. Right after this, after he says, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. After Mark has just demonstrated that Peter's only half seeing, and with him the rest of the disciples. It says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Which is a tough thing to say. I mean, it's tough to, to say, period. It's tough to hear. It would have been much tougher for them when crosses were something they saw on the regular. I mean, they knew this is what Rome does. Like, you don't pick up a cross and carry it unless Rome is about to go kill you. They're going to hang you on it outside of town, strip you naked, hang you on a cross, embarrass you, leave you there to die. It's a humiliating death. That's why they did it, to show that they could, to show that you don't mess with Rome, to show that they had the power and Jesus says, you want to be my disciple? You want to follow me? You've got to deny yourself. You've you got to recognize you're not going to get everything you want. You've got to take up your cross and follow me. He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. He says, there's a, again, you kind of, I'm thinking of that. There's the concerns of men and there's the concerns of God. You know, he's like, there's a bigger picture here that you don't see yet. And if your concern is all about, like, well, I gotta, I gotta save this for me. I gotta save my life. I gotta preserve my reputation. I gotta make sure that no one thinks bad about me. I gotta make sure that I've got enough for me and for mine and all of my plans. And, and so I can't share with others and I can't, I can't go hang out with them. And I can't, if we try to save our lives, we, we lose it. But if we are willing to lose our lives for Him, He says, that's, that's how you save it. What good is it, He says, for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? 
What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? It says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And I, I know years past when I would read that last bit about like, yep, I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus and his words in this you know, sinful, adulterous generation. And that means there are going to be times I have to say things to people that like, they don't want to hear. I'm going to have to stand up for Jesus and for what, what is right and what is true, even if other people disagree. And, and I suppose that's true. You know, I, there's, I, don't want to, I don't want to say that's wrong. I'm not sure that's where Jesus was going with this. Because remember, he's saying, like, look, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to suffer and, and to be ashamed of him. I mean, he was about to, he was on this journey toward shame, Jesus was. And his journey toward the cross was a journey where he was going to come alongside the rejected and say, yep, I'm dying with them. And so I'm not, I'm not so sure this is about Christians kind of proudly and boldly standing up and saying, hey, listen, world, you're all a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners, and you need to hear it, you know. This might be more about Christians being willing to, to join Jesus alongside the, the, the suffering and the poor and, and to say, yeah, these are, these are people that God loves. He, he's not making it easy. <laughs> he's not making it easy to follow him. He's saying it's going to be tough. But Jesus, what Jesus seems to be saying is, that, like, look, if you could see the whole picture, it would be, it'd be easier. If you could see more clearly, like, what I'm about and what I'm trying to accomplish, then you'd be, it'd be easy for you to get on board with this. Just like it's easier for anybody to go through a, a period of, of difficulty, a period of suffering, because you know it's leading to something good on the other side. Uh, actually, we didn't coordinate this, but what Pastor Judy read earlier um, <clears throat> fits right into this, about the, the fact that sometimes we go through difficulty and it, and it builds endurance and it, it builds maturity and it turns us into the kinds of people that then can accomplish more. Just like someone who sits there and, and you know, I was going to say breaks their fingers. Not break, someone who tires their fingers out, practicing piano or guitar or something like that, uh, day after day, week after week, year after year, develops a skill that they can use that, like, I don't have, right? Um, because they put in the time, they put in the discipline. Just like those professional athletes who practice and work and struggle, you know, who put all that time in the gym are able to then accomplish things that, again, I, I can't do. I haven't put in that time. I haven't put in that suffering. But they have the, the bigger picture, right? They've got the end goal in mind. And that's what Jesus is doing. I think was it... Uh, <clears throat> I know we read this last year. I can't remember if it was in, was it in Romans or it was in Hebrews where he talks about how Jesus, it was Romans, I think, uh, chapter 12, where it talks about Jesus uh, enduring suffering and you know, scorning the shame of the cross for the joy that was set before him. So he, he endured what he endured because he, he knew what it was gaining. He knew what it was accomplishing. And he's, I feel like Mark is saying, like, boy, we didn't understand it then. We didn't get it. We didn't know what Jesus was about. Now, thankfully, we do. Our eyes were only kind of half healed. Our vision, we could, we could see, but not too clearly. We could see that Jesus was doing these amazing things, but we couldn't really see the bigger picture. <clears throat> and the reality is, I mean, we may never see the bigger picture this side of eternity. There may be things that Jesus asks us to do that kind of never make sense to us. Every now and then it does, right? Every now and then it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and I've shared some of those stories before. Um, 
Well, it was a couple of years ago, I think. It was a story I had read in a book about someone who was at the mall or whatever, and they just had this nudge from God. They saw somebody, and they felt like God was saying, go tell that person I love them. What? I don't know this person. Why would I go do this? You know, and they, they kind of brushed it off, and the moment passed, and the person, you know, they were on down, and the person was over. They saw the person again later in the mall and felt that same nudge, like, hey, go tell that person I love them. And again, they kind of brushed it off. They found a reason not to, you know, because that's kind of weird. Where's this idea coming from? That's, yeah, that's probably not God, you know. That's a weird thing to walk up to some stranger and say, hey, just want you to know God loves you. Um, <clears throat> having a third time, and finally they say, oh, look, I better do this. You know, maybe God, maybe there's something to this. They, they go up to the person, they say, hey, that's weird, but it felt like God wanted me to tell you that he loves you. And the person, like, breaks down crying, and they've been going through this really difficult time, and they were like the third person to walk up to them that day to tell them that God loved them. Um, God was trying to get people to this person to bring them the encouragement they needed, and thankfully, he had some people who were willing to, willing to do it. Sometimes it makes sense, right? Sometimes we donate to the thing, and we see the project completed, and we're like, hallelujah, you know, praise God, good was accomplished. Other times, you give it, and it just... Seems like it vanishes into the air, and like, I don't, don't know if that ever did the good it was supposed to. I sure hope it did. Yeah. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes we go through a difficult season, and we realize later, like, wow, you know, I trusted God. He got me through that illness. He got me through that relational disaster. He got me through, the, you know, whatever the, the dark season was. <clears throat> and then we see later on, like, oh, and then I was able to encourage somebody else. I was able to help someone else who was, who was addicted like I used to be. I was able to help someone else who, who their relationship fell apart like mine did. Uh, I was, you know, I was able to encourage them, and, and I've been able to encourage several people now because God got me through this. I'm able to help them see, look, you can get through this, and sometimes it makes sense. And sometimes we just go through a really dark season, and we never figure out why. It reminds me of... Uh, what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the same chapter where he talks about love and how amazing it is, um, being patient and kind. And I like to read that passage at weddings, you know, all about love. But then he gets, gets down to the end, and, and, uh, and he says, Now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. There's some other translations like a, a dim reflection or like a cloudy mirror. It's, the point is like we're not seeing it all. You know, we, we can kind of see, but not perfectly. Someday we'll see face to face. Now I know in part. And my understanding is just, it's just partial. It's incomplete. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. <clears throat> I think, boy, if the Apostle Paul can admit, I don't understand everything. There's still things that I can't see clearly. Then I can admit that too. Right? When I think of the posture that we Christians can take in the world, as we talk to people, especially to people who aren't Christians, when I think of like the vibe that we give off or the impression that we give people, whew, way too many times we Christians give off that vibe that says, we know it all, and you don't, right? We've got the truth, and you don't. We've, we've got it all figured out. We know. Boy, if you just knew what we knew, then you'd, you'd vote for the people we're voting for. If you just knew what we do, then you would, you would you know, arrange your life differently. Or maybe you wouldn't go through the stuff you're going through because, you know, we've got it all figured out. Instead of, well, what if we Christians instead could demonstrate the kind of humility that says, hey, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know it all. But I do know some. <laughs> I know enough to trust and follow Jesus. I can, I can tell you what he's done in my life. I can, I can tell you the difference that he's making for me, the strength that he gives me to endure difficulty. I, I can tell you the ways he's been at work. I can tell the good that he's brought to my life, the, the life that he's brought to my life. 
Clearly, the Apostle Paul had gone through some amazing experiences, but he was still able to admit, I, I, don't, I don't know everything. And so while in the verses right before, he's talked about like knowledge and prophecy and some of this flashier stuff. He said, all of that stuff is like temporary. But he says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. So these, these all are lasting. You know, faith, we're always, faith is something we can hang on to. We can continue to trust in, in God. We can continue to follow Jesus. We can continue to have hope that he is leading us in a good direction. We can continue to love. He says the greatest of these is love. That's my hope for us. That even when we're not seeing everything clearly, we can continue to trust, continue to hope, and continue, continue to love. All right, let me, um, let me pray for us, and we're going to celebrate communion together before we wrap this all up. Thank you, God. Thank you for putting up with, with knuckleheads like us. Thank you for uh, <clears throat> not rejecting us when we don't understand everything. You might have to have some sharp words for us from time to time like you did with Peter. But God, you didn't give up with Peter on Peter at that point. You didn't, you didn't tell Peter to quit following you. You continued to invest in him. You continued to, to work with him. Just like you did the rest of your disciples. Just like you do with us. So God, help us today. In spite of our lack of understanding, in spite of our limited vision, in spite of our inability sometimes to, to see the bigger picture, would you help us to continue to trust you and to follow you? Would you continue, help us to continue to, to hold on to hope that you can see a bigger picture that we cannot? Will you help us to continue to respond to your love with love of our own for you and for our neighbors? Thank you, God. Thank you that you don't give up on us. You, you keep touching us. You keep healing us. You keep opening our eyes to understand more and more and more of you, of your love, of your work in the world. We are so grateful, God. We're thankful, too, that we get to celebrate this amazing, patient, persistent love of yours in the sacrament of Holy Communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. We remember that you gathered with your disciples. You still didn't have it all figured out, but you celebrated with them this Passover meal, celebrating the, the, the rescue of God's people from slavery in Egypt generations earlier. And Jesus, you took that meal and you made it about yourself and what God was doing through you. You said, this bread is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. You said, this cup is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. You, you've given us an opportunity today to meet you here at your table. And that's our prayer, God, is that by your Spirit's presence here that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior here in his body and in his blood. In response to this great love, we offer you ourselves, grateful for your love, grateful for your, your patience, your compassion, your kindness. We confess to you, we admit that we've not always loved you with all that we are. We've not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. We need your grace and your mercy, God. Thank you. Thank you that when we reach out to you for grace and mercy, you give it because of Jesus Christ. You have purchased our freedom. By your death and resurrection, Jesus, you, 
you defeated the powers of sin and death, the devil, those things that might have uh, held us captive, those things that might have kept us from the life that you have for us. You, you broke those chains. You have set us free. Thank you. Fill us today with the spirit of Christ that we might live in this world as, as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, embraced, loved by you. We are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, musicians are going to come. Doug and Mary are going to lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it and return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today, who are grateful for his love, who are hungry for his grace. Uh, the, the invitation is open. Uh, now, if you can't make your way forward for some reason, there are on the table some little cups that you can peel back and get to the bread and get to the juice. Um, we, we want everyone to, to get a chance to participate today. Um, so <clears throat> let's give him thanks for the great love he's shown us in his son, Jesus Christ. Trust in Jesus just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust. Jesus.
Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that Thou art with me, wilt be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. God, let that be our our prayer today, that you would give us grace to trust you more. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for proving yourself trustworthy and the gift of your love that you've given in your son, Jesus Christ. Again, I ask, fill us with the spirit of Christ. Help us to live in this world as the body of Christ, to humbly show (laughs) the people around us the, the grace that you've given us the love that you have for us. Help us to hold on to hope in the midst of it all, to trust you more. Thank you, God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.